Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So hello and welcome uh, to this session everybody. Um, today we're going to be looking at um, e-consult and hopefully how to make it a bit more manageable within the practice. Um, particularly during this most challenging of times. Uh, my name is Lisa Harding. I'm one of the directors of primary care at uh, Wessex LMCs. And today I'm going to be talking to Dr. Carl Bennett, who is senior partner at the Oakley Health Partnership with a patient population of just under 29,000. Um, Carl is also one of the clinical directors for Northeast Hanson Farnham CCG. Um, with a focus on digital primary care. He is also one of the cl clinical leads for Connected Care. Um, welcome, Carl, do I have that correct? Yes, I think we're there, yes. Okay, lovely, thank you. So thank you very much for talking to us this afternoon. Um, we've got quite a packed agenda, but what we thought would be quite useful um, during this session is really just to sort of talk through your experience um, of how you'd introduced e-consult to the practice, uh, perhaps some of the early days learning that you found benefits to the practice and to your patients, and then just acknowledging how you coped uh, with the increase in demand that COVID saw in terms of e-consults, um, some of the pitfalls, some of the um, advantages, and really just sort of talking through some of the uh, practical points that perhaps, perhaps practices can take away, acknowledging that there's probably no magic bullet. So um, just to kick us off, I wondered if perhaps you could just talk a little bit about the early days for us. Okay, well, we became involved in the um, procurement. Um, it must have been um, two years ago um, or nearly three years ago now. And um, we, at the time, were very much a part of Hampshire Isle of Wight um, with our strategy. Um, so the procurement was um, led on behalf of all of Hampshire and Isle of Wight um, and there were other um, vendors at the time um, and the decision was made to go with um, e-consult. Um, I'm aware that it's been extended for another year so that will bring all of the practice into line until the end of uh, December 2021 by which um, a, a, a new contract will be needed and procurement is going to be likely where we look at sort of what else has uh, come to the market since. So in that um, context we launched about two years ago. When I say launch um, I'm the sort of um, the enthusiast in the practice um, and so um, we, we got plenty of support from eConsult with um, um, six foot banners and things that we could put in, banners across the website, um, various media that we could put onto um, notice boards, business cards that we could give to patients. And um, But it's safe to say, despite my sort of huge enthusiasm, that what didn't quite rub off on the partners at the early stage. And therefore, um, it was a slow start, a soft start, um, which many of these things are. Um, so with it being launched on the website, that was an opportunity for us to promote the website as a useful place to look for information. And I think behind all of this is the aim for uh, patients to be able to um, find out much of the information they need for themselves, to be to be self-reliant um, to an extent. And, and that's the main um, aim of eConsult, is not just to give you a hotline through to the GP, but to see what else there is out there, whether it's um, trying to get information um, and guidance through 111, um, or through um, uh, your pharmacist. So we started um, basically to ensure that the workload overall, or the time spent in clinical work overall, didn't increase by replacing a single face-to-face -face slot at the time 10 minutes with two e-consult slots. And the rationale for that was that, that um, if we had a comprehensive history, if you like, as a result of an e-consult, um, that would speed things up and make it easier to deal with 
they didn't always require us to contact the patient um, with a phone call or even to bring them in to see them. Um, a fair amount of what we saw could be resolved with a message um, either via one of our admin staff or directly using an SMS service such as AccuRx. Um, we found from there growth was very slow, very slow indeed. And if I've learned one thing is that if we get our practice manager behind this, um, then it will fly. And, and indeed it did. But it took a good year or so. Um, there was also a lot of um, nervousness amongst the doctors about the possible effect on the workload um, that, that we could have had. But So we'll probably talk about more of that a bit later. Um, the other thing that it has given us the um, um, opportunity to do is to promote the NHS app, um, which now has integration with eConsult as well. And um, as of this weekend, also has extra functions for patients to manage their bookings if they've had a, an ERS referral, for example. So sort of an example of how the whole sort of digital ecosystem is, is sort of wrapping around the patient a bit more uh, um, effectively than it used to. Okay, thank you. And and uh, you talked a little bit about um, uh, not all of your colleagues being quite so excited about eConsult. How how do you think you sort of won them over? What what helped? I, you did also mention your practice manager, who was clearly key to the process. I think <clears throat> we needed to keep it um, sort of on the agenda for discussion. Um, that um, it's all very well having a, a shiny new toy to play with, but you really do have to promote it. Um, you've also got to make sure that um, patients get what they expect through the interaction with the service, that they don't feel let down. Um, and um, so in the early days, it was very much about trying to convince the partners that that this could improve efficiency um, and that it would improve access. And, and certainly there's been a common um, experience, which is that um, some patients come forward more readily with more embarrassing problems, mm. um, such as anxiety or depression, um, genital symptoms of all sorts of descriptions. Um, and, and, and that helps us because that person might have made that um, um, decision spontaneously and gone to their smartphone or their, their, their iPad or something and, and, and put the details in before they had the chance to reflect on it and change their mind. Um, and we know how long it can take some people to, to come forward. So using that as an example of how it benefits the patient um, certainly gave us some ground. Also, um, keeping the, the um, appointments flexible so that if we saw a, an, an increase in the number of e-consults um, that were coming through, and particularly if they were for a particular GP, then we could go, go further and substitute more of their face-to-face -face appointments as some of their patient uh, registered patients sort of moved moved more online. We've tried as far as possible to keep e-consults um, to their own, to the own GP, um, but obviously with COVID things have gone a little bit um, um, sort of different in that respect and so there are times when we have to um, all sort of pull together to, to deal with the, um, the demand. Um, so really it was more about sort of people gaining their own experience. I'm not here to, to sell it. I'm certainly not a, I don't have any interest in e-consult and I would, um, I'll, I'm going to be very open with the, the next procurement, but it, it was more about um, sort of understanding it from the patient perspective. Um, and another area where we found benefit is, is where as we've expanded our integrated care team, added clinical pharmacists, social prescribers, we can deal with those e-consults by, as a proper triage service, um, by, by, um, by involving those people rather than the default being the GP every time. Mm -hmm. So that maximises the use of our, um, of our colleagues. 
And I think that was perhaps going to be one, one of my next questions in terms of, did you find you were able to convert some of those e-consults into activity for the other members of the team, not just GPs? I think, you know, thinking about taking the pressure off the GP workforce and perhaps um, directing those consults more appropriately to other members of the team. Um, yes, absolutely. That, that's one of the key um, facilities, really. I think I think the name e-consult is a, a little bit of a misnomer because it gives the impression that this is a, a, a true consultation tool, that there's a, a dialogue established. But the design of it is very much to, um, to, to, to sort of close it off, if you like, to not sort of get into a dialogue like you might in an email, um, but to recognise that when a dialogue is necessary, you'll make that through either um, a phone call, a video consultation, or a face-to-face -face consultation. Um, but, but by and large, um, you know, we can't expect the public um, to understand the range of facilities we have, particularly those that don't interact with us very much. So they, they may not realise that we've got um, a social prescriber or a, or a clinical pharmacist, for example, or that we can, um, if they're prepared to wait um, a, a little bit longer, we can have them seen by an orthopaedic practitioner, um, which will then sort of bypass the... Um, um, process. So my cat is meowing outside the door. <laughs> so, so we have. Um, so, so that gives us a little bit more control over what what seems to be the right thing. It's nothing I can do but open the door. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, uh, where was I? Sorry. So, so really, we were talking about sort of converting other practitioners. Um, being able to pick up uh, patient activity and if they were prepared to wait a bit longer they may get a very bespoke or perhaps a, a, a not traditionally available um, response in primary care so I think it was, it was just about sort of broadening the response to patients in terms of what e-consult could offer. <laughs> yes yes it can it should be quiet now I promise. Um, uh, yes it is exactly that and I think it is sort of you know if, if there is that sort of comparison with that that fabled but misquote of Henry T Ford which is if if you ask the public what they want they'd have just wanted a faster horse and I and I think it's very much about sort of you know um, if, if we've got a much more capable varied um, group of staff which may vary from week to week I mean particularly at the moment if, if people aren't aware because of their uh, um, you know because of their COVID status um, then we may not be able to to uh, um, involve a clinical pharmacist so it gives us that point of uh, control at that point of contact to use what we have. The other concern that I've, I've often heard practices raise is that um, patients are emailing through all sorts of um, for want of a better word, sort of grumbles or niggles that, that might actually not be necessary to be seen within primary care that actually could be dealt with either via self-care or through their pharmacist or through other means. And mm. have you been able to sort of deflect or, or manage any of that activity? Yes, I mean, <clears throat> one area in which I think um, it, it has helped us, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because it opens up the accessibility and yes, there may be some things that come through that may appear to be relatively trivial, um, but it still gives us the control. Now, shortly before lockdown, we got to a stage where we had extended our standard face-to-face -face appointments um, to 15 minutes. And the idea being was that we were going to rely more on um, sort of you know, early triage, such as um, e-consult, um, to manage what we could without patients having to be seen, which by and large is more um, convenient for them anyway. Um, and um, allowing a bit of extra time to deal with the increasingly complex um, um, patients that we are looking after in primary care. 
um, that say, if we go back 20 years, we, we, we might have seen more secondary care involvement in. So so the job is becoming more complex. And, and it, it's one of those situations where um, in order to take on new responsibilities, you have to give something up because we're, we're limited in, in our in our time in, in what we can do. Um, but I think it's probably better that a, a GP is dealing with more complex stuff. It is generally more interesting, more head scratching. And if we can create more time to do that, then it's 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 less frustrating. So that's one side of it. Um, and, and, and the other is that um, we still retain the power with an e-consult to say, we feel you'd be best served if you follow these um, this advice or or go to this uh, go to the pharmacist. Or increasingly, we use um, AccuRx. Well, we use it very very frequently every day um, to sort of cut and paste links to other websites such as the Guts Charity, um, for example, for for somebody with IBS. So so and it really is sort of helping people in an age of sort of information overload to see some way through the um, the you know the the sheer amounts of, of um, information available um, in such a way that we don't want to make them too dependent. Um, you know that they can sort of manage themselves better. There have been times where people have tried to sort of take a shortcut, if you like, and simply gone through the admin request with a clinical request, much in the way they probably would have done with an email. Um, and and sometimes we've we've I've I've re, um, responded to say we need more detail, and I'll give them the link to the actual e-consult, um, for example, anxiety or depression, just so we can get a bit more information from you, and so that we can help you sort of find where the right places to go. Okay. And and um, I suppose then, you know, within the last six, seven months, um, life's changed sort of upside, turned upside down for all of us, really. And I would just be interested to, to hear how that has sort of impacted uh, in terms of the activity that you've seen through eConsult and whether it's changed how the practice has used or um, made the most of eConsult and perhaps some of the benefits and pitfalls um, that you've found over the last last few months and um, over the summer? Um, <clears throat> I mean, certainly nobody quite expected what we've had to deal with in the last few months um, on, on several levels. When we think back to early on, um, how it was evolving across the globe, um, how we thought we might be involved, um, all of the problems with PPE, all the changes that occurred in secondary care, um, how we were having to suddenly manage our patients' expectations and our staff and our own as to what we could achieve. Um, you, if anything, it has been a trigger for all of the tools that we have um, to help with remote consultation. Um, and I don't know how a practice would manage without it, in all honesty. Um, you've got, instead of a list of phone calls to make, um, a, a list of, um, if you like, partially clerked patients. I liken an e-consult to doing a ward round after after a, a, a night on call where somebody would present to you um, their initial history um, and that's where it's so important. Now e-consult is detailed to a fault in some cases. It can be relentless the lists of questions that people have to answer and that, that is quite a common um, sort of um, feedback we get. Um, but nevertheless um, when done properly we do get quite a lot of information and if we avoid going back over the same questions, which, which isn't a very efficient way to, to treat it. If, if we then um, go back and, um, and, and simply look for the gaps, what, what else do we need to know in order to make a diagnosis? Can we manage this remotely or do we need to, to do more? 
are there investigations that we can um, point them to? So do I, can I send them a link to an international prostate symptom score, um, for example, um, or, or a PHQ-9 or a GAD-7 if they've come through a different um, um, route? Um, do I need to refer them? Um, do I need to see them? All of those questions. You've got a much more refined list to deal with, um, and that's when you can bring in colleagues as well, rather than a list of phone calls that, that you know, the clock starts when, when you start to talk, talk with them um, as, as well. So adoption shot up, whether we liked it or not. Um, I think we probably were doing um, probably 100 to 200 a week or so, and now we're sort of between 550 and 750 a week now, um, which which feels like a lot, and particularly the beginning of the week is the hardest as, as we come in after the weekend. Um, we've increased the staff that we have on early morning on a Friday, on a Monday um, in order to, to help. Um, and we also have one GP who is called the Help Hub GP. He's there to assist with, um, for example, some of the junior doctors working in our cold zone, um, all of the nurses, um, the, the, the receptionist manning the phones, that, that's what we call our Help Hub um, as, as well. And that person can also be helping um, sift the um, DocMan, uh, sift the uh, e-consults through. We use DocMan um, to do that. So, um, so it's it, it is useful in that respect, um, and there's no doubt that there are some people who are using it a lot, um, and I'm not um, convinced that everyone is using it appropriately all the time, but we'll have this with whatever method we use, whether it's a phone call or a face-to-face -face appointment. You know, we cannot expect people to get it right all of the time, and we, we, we just have, I think, more information from an online consultation that we can uh, respond to. So. And I guess it sounds like um, your admin team have also sort of supported you. You think about, thought about how they're working so that they can support the clinical team in terms of managing some of that activity. Um, and I guess has that translated into perhaps looking at their the hours that they're doing, putting a bit more um, resource up front on a Monday morning, just to help um, just manage that wave of consultations that might have come in over the weekend. Um, yes, it can. We have two extra uh, two reception staff working from 7.30 on a Monday morning. They can log in remotely um, to go through them as well. Um, we do get, um, I think the ratio is about two thirds to a third admin to clinical. Um, so they can start sort of working through many of the admin tasks, whether it's um, prescription requests or appointment requests, um, information about their record and things like that. Um, so, um, so we have that on, on first thing on a Monday morning. We also have some doctors who are very good at going straight into DocMan, looking at the um, documents for filing and going into the subfolder of the e-consults for finding for filing and, and looking at, the, at it themselves. So it's a little bit of a team effort. And, and, and I think one thing we've learned or we are learning, starting to realise, if you like, is that people obviously feel comfortable in certain aspects of their job and not others. There will always be those amongst us who are more comfortable seeing a physical clinic of patients face to face because of all those nonverbal cues you get. And whatever we do um, in the right circumstances will never replicate um, a face to face appointment. And that's not to say that there's a large proportion of appointments that don't require that level of engagement that, that you can engage in a, in a, in a more remote way. Um, it's just a question of, I think, noticing early which which cases are 
never going to be dealt with um, in any other way but face to face and bailing out early from the from the um, from the virtual route. So I've seen sort of instances where we've created more work for ourselves by taking an e-consult which um, really needed to be seen straight away and we then go through the motions of trying everything we possibly can not to see them and that can be um, with um, um, trying to sort of stall with a with request for more information um, or a phone call or um, you know all of those things and you look back and you think I, I really think it would have been quicker if we'd just seen them you know um, it's probably a bit like some referrals that we make into secondary care where things sort of ricochet back and forth before it's you know accepted that they need to be seen as a system that's not a very uh, efficient way to be running. Great. Okay. Carl, thank you. That's incredibly helpful. And I think it's really useful to hear some sort of practical pointers um, that you've worked through in, within your practice. Um, perhaps and we can we can continue the discussion with practices. Um, we hope to be able to support them to think of other ways of, of managing the e-consult process. Is there anything that you would sort of just finish on in terms of your own experience of e-consult? I mean, would you, would you say that you found it a positive overall? Um, that it's helped you manage the demand during COVID? Um, as you might expect, I've, <laughs> I personally have found it overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think it's been very interesting um, watching how it's played out over the last few months. Um, I don't think it's a panacea. It doesn't suit everything all of the time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't never hold it up as that. Um, it has challenged our expectations of patients, just as the parents bringing a young child with earache and a fever um, you know, we, we, we over the years might have overestimated just how many of those parents wanted antibiotics rather than advice. Um, and it's the same with e-consults. Some people are simply looking for advice. And what I like about the format of soft with what are your ideas, concerns and expectations. And, and some people, some, I mean, I can think of some people I've spent years trying to get to that point with people face to face um, and, and it just hasn't worked um, and and people seem to be very direct and honest with that question at the outset so that really sets the tone um, I, I find that very useful um, I think we've learned obviously that nothing happens without consequences and so the increased uh, activity over weekends and uh, early weeks has been recognized and it is recognized by NHS England as well are some of the e-consults um, um, occurring as a result of the patient preferring to use that than to use 111 or other out-of-hours service? I think we should be sharing tips with, e with each other as much as possible, particularly with um, setting up um, templates within uh, AccuRx um, to, to, to make the process as uh, sort of automated as possible where it's appropriate to do so. I think some GPs are very good at triage, others less comfortable in that role, rather like working out of hours. Um, and so it may be that there are some GPs that may do more and more um, um, triage as a, as a proportion of their total day's work, and that we might need to look within our workforce to, to how um, we would support them. Um, I think there needs to be better integration with EMIS, although having said that, I haven't used the integration with EMIS yet. I know it was um, completed over the summer, but things like automatically recording smoking cessation, for example, as well. Um, and I think I'd also say that in a strange sort of way, we've been in a privileged position here because we've been able to give up an awful lot of our day-to-day -day work, our quaff work, in other words, in order to run a triage-based system where it's accepted, or at least it has to be, that, that that's what we have to do, that we can't give um, patients what they want, which might be a face-to-face -face appointment. So I'm not saying that the uh, activity and practice will be this high forever um, beyond COVID, 
Um, but I think it will still be a significant part of it, and we do need to plan for that. Carl, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today for some really interesting thoughts and reflections. So um, thank you again, and we look forward to hearing how you get on in the future. Thank you. Thanks. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.